There's a common thread with successful individuals. They've worked hard, but they've also made hundreds, if not thousands of mistakes. What if you could learn from their mistakes without any consequences? What if you could hear from talented individuals who have achieved great success in their given field? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to shorten your learning curve, learn from the best, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. I'm your host, Mike Perry, and welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with my old friend, John Keefe. Now, I've known John since I was probably 17, 18 years old. Um, we've played in a few bands together growing up, and John at this point has some pretty crazy stories. He's pretty much a rock star. He has been the drummer for Boys Like Girls since 2005. He's played with a bunch of other bands, and currently he's with Sony writing for them where he does commercials and he does soundtracks, etc. He's a... Uh, He's got some pretty amazing stories, and he's a really talented individual. So today we're going to pick his brain, and he's going to talk about his experience in the music industry, the lessons he's learned, and uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. Just a quick note, there is some uh, explicit language in this, so please don't play this in front of your, uh, your small kids. Appreciate it, guys. Okay, welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose podcast, and I'm here today with my good friend John Keefe. Now... I've known John for probably, what, over 20 years at this point? Yeah. Um, yep. John and I grew up two, three miles from one another. I lived in Norton. He lived in Mansfield, Massachusetts, and we were literally uh, pretty much on the same road. And we met in our teens. We were both musicians at the time, and we played in a bunch of bands together. And um, even 20-some-odd years later, we still keep in touch. We've got a lot in common, but we also have a few things that we're doing very, very differently. So, John, it's good to see you, buddy. Hey man, good to see you. Thanks for having me. No problem. So hey, how have you been surviving the uh, the quarantine? What have you been up to? Oh, uh, wow. The quarantine. My life has really not changed that much, to be honest. Um, I know we've, we've talked about it a little bit before because we text and stuff. But yeah, I've been uh, not going to jujitsu, you know, twice a day or whatever, three times a day, like a, an animal. And I've just been outside working, working outside, like 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, crap, uh, up, up at the, like the crack of dawn and uh, just fucking humping wheelbarrows and building moats. I, I, I took up carpentry. I <laughs> uh, redid my garage. I mean, like never ending projects. I bought three different chainsaws because why do you? you, I, could, you oh, I, kept, I just kept going up a level because I'm like, yeah, this one sucks. And then I like blew out the motor. I'm like, I think I just need to get the fucking big boy one. And then a thousand dollars later, I have this. I'm like, I felt scared for myself while I was driving home. I felt like I was carrying a bazooka. When the guy started it up, Mike, I was, he's like, ready? He goes, <laughs> and I was like, this guy can just chop me in half right now. So anyway, um, I've been, I've been busy as hell, busy as hell, just fucking working. Yeah, it feels I, love, great. I love it, man. You're out there, you're doing the work on your own, you're getting some manual labor in, you're not really relying on anyone else. And, and actually, that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to chat tonight, because um, before we get into your background and what you do um, as a professional, uh, professional musician, um, yep. again, I wanted to talk to you, because you've been busting your ass for as long as I've known you. You grew up on a farm, yep. and, and you've done manual labor your whole life, and you know, you've, you've spent 
the greater part of a decade playing uh, with Boys Like Girls as their drummer. And now you're, if correct me if I'm wrong, you're with Sony and you're writing for Sony right now, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so Boys Like Girls, uh, we've, yeah, it's been, it's been almost 15 years now. Um, I've been doing that and, you know, we huffed it in the van and, and did that thing. And when I was coming back, um, at, at first, it's like, I really have any money. So it's like, I was getting hours with my brother's landscaping company, you know, digging holes, same thing I'm doing now, which is kind of, you know, 10 million records later, I'm still fucking digging holes. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I don't know. So, um, yeah, so doing that. And then, uh, now I do, uh, what's called sync music. It's like for film and TV, I do like synchronization music. So basically, you know, they're looking for an up-tempo rock song or punk song. I don't know if you've, like, heard, like, a T-Mobile commercial where they have, like, a punk band or, or something. I do a lot of that. Um, I've had a bunch of Super Bowl spots. Yeah, you did the Jeep commercial, right? Yeah, I got the Jeep commercial, and then I had another Jeep spot. Um, I had the Microsoft, uh, I don't know, what, the Surface Pro when that came out, which was a huge commercial. Um, and then... The crazy thing was, is the the thing the Surface Pro. I don't know if you remember they were playing the Broncos and their all their Surface Pros shut down, and then the commercial was dead. And it was like my biggest commercial I've ever had. Of but course. it ran, it ran, it ran for a long time, and then ran in Japan and stuff. But yeah, so I've done that. Um, and currently, yeah, I've been with Sony for. I just re-signed my deal like six months ago. They picked up the option, which is cool. Um, and I'm working on like a solo sort of project, like an indie rock thing, uh, called, uh, Johnny and the Maniac, which is kind of fun. It's all about my year. That's, my a youth. Perfect, that's the perfect name for you. Yeah. Johnny and the Maniac. It's uh, all about my youth. Um, you know, doing some crazy shit at bars and in hotel bathrooms and, you know, that kind of shit. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't I'm know sure, how PG you want to keep it, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure I'm sure we can dig into a few stories. But um, <laughs> so, you know, we've again I've known you for for a very very long time, and yeah. it's been really cool to see you playing like local shows at like VFWs and shoot. I played a few of those with you, and then you get to a point where you were you know linking up with Martin and the crew, and you guys were playing all over the world. But yeah. let's start from the beginning. How old were you when you started playing drums? Man. So my dad, my dad got this, this is Jesus Christ. My dad got these like be a rock drummer cassette thing from my aunt who lived in Norton actually, which is kind of funny. Um, and she came over and was like, here, like this little pad, like it was like this little rubber pad, and these drumsticks that were like probably, you know, eight inches long or whatever. And uh, she came over and gave that to him as a gag gift for his birthday. And then I grabbed these drumsticks after and he's like, here, have these. And I was like fucking hooked. hooked. I was just hooked. And that was in like third or fourth grade. And then it, in fifth grade, I remember Peter Conti over there, the band director. He was yeah, the hockey coach for, for the high school. Yeah. So they, um, they had band, uh, band came, uh, he came in and played all the instruments and I'll never forget him bringing out the snare drum and hitting it. And like, it's like so vivid. And I was just like, I want that. I've got to do that. Like I, I need to do that. And I was so like freaking out, like, 
like freaking out. Like we like the first time, maybe like, maybe like when you met your wife or like had your first born, like that kind of like intensity. Yeah, one of those experiences like, I'll never forget. Holy shit. Like I could, like, I remember the kid that touched the drumstick, like Aaron Jarrett, like the whole fucking thing, the little circle he did uh, on the middle of the snare drum with the quarter to see who could do it and how long, you know, the whole fucking thing. So I was like, I need to do that. But we were, we didn't have much money. And my parents were like, we can't afford the $40 a month. So we were like, I, you know, as I've grown up, I found out how really kind of poor we were, you know, $40. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, that's not even a half a tank of my gas of my, my truck. I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ. And that's like every five days, it feels like. So um, eventually, people. eventually they're like, okay, he's annoying and he keeps playing. But I had to, this is like the funny story. I had, uh, we finally got the snare drum and I had to get up. I remember at like 4.30 in the morning and take the early bus. Now the, the, the Gilbert Street Bridge was closed at the time. That was closed forever, dude. Yeah, it was closed forever. Yeah, yeah, forever. It might still be closed. It, I, I, it might be. I mean, I don't know. I remember... I remember watching the X-Files with my dad back in the day and some fucking drunk guy like crashed into it and then ran out of there. But anyway, so I had to, they, they wouldn't bring up the bus. They uh, wouldn't bring up the short bus because the short bus used to come up there and pick us up. So, I mean, anyway, so I would have to walk with this snare drum and now I'm all of like 60 pounds and the snare drum was like that big black case big metal snare drum and the snare drum was probably like half my body weight it was like 35 pounds or something like that and i'm like four feet tall and i had to carry this thing a quarter of a mile to the bus stop every day through the snow no shoes uphill yeah, literally but i actually had to do that actually like, did i that. had shoes thankfully but like actually had to do that every day and i did for a little bit and uh, I really liked it. And then I was like, man, like I want to play drum set or whatever. And so I quit. I ended up quitting for a year because I was like, this isn't like, this isn't, I want to play like rock and roll music. Like we're playing like fucking pomp and circumstance and like YMCA. I'm like, this isn't for me. So then my friend Matt Price, who lived down the road um, that summer, summer going into I think junior high was like, hey, we should start a band. And like I like Green Day. And I was like, okay, cool. I like Green Day too. So then I uh, had a paper paper at the time that my brother built up and I was kind of a fucking degenerate at the time. Um, I think you remember that. I wouldn't show up to band practice just as I was that guy. Um, Every once in a while. Every once in a Mike, while. You know what, for, for you listeners, for you <laughs> listeners, Mike actually fired me from the band. Uh, okay, it was, a, it was a band decision. It was a band decision. I think I was a messenger. You fired. <laughs> but, but, hey, look. Now, who's, who's the one, you know, living in, in Nashville and is a rock star now, okay? So You're, I'm barely a rock star. <laughs> but uh, anyways, so let me ask you this. So yeah. obviously you got hooked. When, like, once you start, let's say you got your first drum set, whenever that was, like, how often were you actually playing? Like, once you got that, like, give me, like, give me your, like, a weekly schedule. Like, like, two hours a day, three hours a day, what? Like, all fucking day. Like, from, so the thing was my parents were getting divorced at the time. So the house was just a, it was a fucking nightmare to be in. Like they were fighting all the time and like, 
it was just really bad. It was really bad. And I had just built my room in my basement, right? We built an illegal room because I was in up with my sister sharing a bedroom and I was like going to junior high and I was like, dad, I like need my own room, you know, like puberty and all that stuff. And, um, so we had to clean out this old basement and, uh, I would have to bring the drums up cause they were so fucking loud. I have to bring the drums up and then carry them up like a ladder, literally a ladder and then bring them outside and play in the barn. Um, after playing in the barn, I was playing in the fucking barn for a while. Um, but I, I was playing, I was probably like no exaggeration playing five to eight hours a day at one point, like ridiculous. And on Saturdays when we'd have like drum line and stuff like that, we would just sit there for fucking ever. Like it was, it was insane with a metronome beep, beep, doing eight on hand for hours, like, like crazy shit. Um, and I look back, I'm like, dude, I could, I could never do that now. There's no fucking way. It would be impossible. I'd be like, I'm going to, why would I, what am I doing? But I'm glad I did because my timing got awesome. I was so lucky to have like unbelievable teachers. Um, one of my teachers was, uh, he went to Syracuse and was in the Syracuse drum line as a snare player. He was just a monster, like technician. And I really took to that. Um, I was never much of a reader like I could, but I could hear it a couple times and like get it. And, um, which is, which is kind of weird, you know, and I'm still like that. Um, which has been fucking awesome. You know, I could hear a, a tune and, and just kind of pick it up and do it now. Um, but yeah, uh, I fucking practiced. I practiced my ass off. Um, it's lended itself well to, you know, I mean, working on the farm and doing the landscaping and all that stuff, which I had to do, lended well to, you know, my hobbies and uh, and and my career um, because I just I'm like I have to do it, I have to go all the way, and I have to try to be the best at it, no matter what it is. Like it's really tough for me to to not you know have that ego there to do it, which is great, you know. No, <laughs> for some but, things but and it's like you know what though i i always tell people i think uh you know i've had a few conversations with a few other people and you know I, one of the things i like to say is listen if someone ever calls me mediocre that's gonna piss me off right I, yeah I'm, i just I'm don't okay with being mediocre, and i know you're not because you know your whole life you've been the guy that's like eye on the prize go 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 and just like you're going to get it done regardless. And, um, you know, I think that's important for a lot of people to hear because it's not like you were, uh, I'm going to play here and I'm play here and hopefully make some connections. You were like laser focused. Let's just go, go, go. And yeah. eventually you started to get some breaks. So, you know, when did you realize that, Hey, listen, I could maybe make a living out of this. And when, what, what was your first break? Like, when do you feel like, wow, this is, this is really an opportunity that could take me somewhere. Ah, uh, man, this is a, that's such a that's such a funny question because I never considered – it's really weird. Anything I've ever really loved to do, um, and I will, I'll relate it to jiu-jitsu, and this is why, like, you know, when I teach and stuff, people, they offer to pay me and stuff like that. I say no. Mm. Everything I've ever fallen in love with and, and been passionate about, like, I just never worried about the money. I just always thought that, like, if my stuff is good – and I'm good at it. I'm going to get paid for it eventually. And I know I'm going to fuck up because I hear, I mean, how, how many behind the music stories have we watched? 
I'm going to fuck up. And I have, yeah. and I have, but I focused on that. And that was my focus. And, um, my first, I remember like warp tour was like when we really started to make a little bit of money. And I was like, Holy shit. Like I have like $5,000 in the bank. And it was like, I had only ever had like a thousand dollars in the bank, you know, when you're a young kid and, you know, not having grown up with much. And, you know, then all of a sudden you're on a tour bus and you're making, you know, some, some good ca cash. And you're like, what the fuck? I felt like I had a gazillion dollars, you know, when I had like 10 grand in the bank, you know, um, my, fr I, I guess there was, there's a couple different moments. Um, my one of my first big breaks, I think, was when Shania Twain came through uh, the what is it called now? It was Great Woods like, Tweeter Center. Growing Comcast up, it was Center. Great Woods. It's been like Comcast Tweeter Center. Is it Xfinity Center now? I I don't know. I it's think in, so. It's in Mansfield. Probably. It's in Mansfield. It's on the North Line. It's, it's fucking Great Woods. Is it's what Great it is. Woods. Okay. So. Um, when Shania Twain came through, she was doing this like sort of like promotion where they'd pick like the, you know, like the best drummer in the area in like the New England area. And somehow, I don't know, through word of mouth or whatever, I had gotten a call to do it. And it was like really crazy. Um, and a couple other other kids like got to do it, I, I believe, but they gave me like a dressing room and like I got to play with her and I was like, holy shit. And I was 16 years old and I was playing in front of 20,000 people. And I had no idea who Shania Twain was um, at the time. Just cause I was like, I like green day, you know, like who yeah. the fuck is Shania Twain? So yeah, I actually have a photo of the, in the, uh, of the, of the uh, show. It's a, me and her, you know, she's playing the drums with me and stuff, which is really cool. And I was like, this is, this is for sure. There's another one of those moments where I was like, this is what I want to do. Like I'm in front of 20,000 people. I'm like, I'm going to be fucking famous someday. And I remember telling people that and people were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Go back to your house, farm boy. Um, so that, that was one of them. When you're hearing your song on the radio for the first time was one of them. It's always been these like little micro sort of steps, you know, what it's was kind of um, yep. let me go back a second and uh, I want to ask you something. So, you know, it, it's funny because I've talked to a lot of people that are successful and they're given, you know, uh, businesses or, you know, um, whatever they do, they're just successful people, but there seems to be a common theme. Most people are passionate about what they do. They just put their head down and they just go and then yeah. they pick their head up and they're like, cool, like some good stuff's happening, but you know what they do? They put their head back down and keep going. Yeah. They it's don't really tough. They're like, I don't, I, they're not like, I've made it. They just keep going and going and going. And then it's just the cycle. Then eventually they get to this point where it's like, holy shit, like you're doing really well for yourself. But I found that the people that are incredibly driven, they don't even really take the time to see what they've done. They just go. It's really weird because, and, and that's a hundred percent true because like we were just about to do a tour uh, in Southeast Asia. We haven't toured in a couple of years. And like, I'm like, man, it like feels really weird. It's been like four years since we've done a tour. And I'm like, yeah, well, I remember being pretty famous, like famous over there, like massive stars over there. And then I'm like, that just seems so weird right now. 
And then we put the tickets on sale and it sells out in like under a minute. And then they add another show and it sells out under a minute. I'm like, is this like real life? Like it does, like what? You know, like it doesn't make any sense. And I always, I don't know, maybe I'm, I've always just felt like it was going to end at some point. So I never like, like I tried to enjoy it, but it's like, do you really enjoy it? Because it's like, it's going to end. So you got to like work to do something else. So you're always constantly trying to be ahead of yourself. So it's really kind of hard. It's not like in like a fucking jujitsu tournament where you get a trophy and then you can go back, you know, it's like, I get no trophy. I mean, you get a pay- you get paid, you know, but you got to write your next song. You got to be, it's a creative sort of thing. Or I-, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I've never, there's been like points where I'm like, yes, that was like a, like a little bit of a trophy here. Yeah. But like, are you like fucking toting around in a Ferrari driving around and saying I'm the man? Yeah. Well, you know what? I've I've always found that a lot of people have irons in the fire, several irons in the fire. Right. And then like the successful people, even if they're doing something they love and they're doing well at it, there's always a little bit of a backup plan. Right. Like, well, if this ends, I got to do this and I got to do this. So I think having, having the idea that it could, it could almost get taken away from you at any point is I think a common trait with a lot of people because um, that that's what keeps people going. Yeah. And I do. That's what happens though. Like, think about it. Think about any of these like MMA guys that like they blow up, they get a movie deal. I mean, this is like the, the, or they make too much money and then they start enjoying it. Partying. Dude, I've seen it in my business and touring, like so many fucking bands. They're the band that's going to be the biggest fucking thing since, you know, sliced bread, but you know, and then all of a sudden, like, it's like, oh, this guy is like fucking doing coke all the time and it gets out and then like their careers are ruined. So it's like, it's just, it's, there's always going to be somebody, there's always going to be somebody right behind you or that's trying to fucking pass you. And you're always trying to chase somebody, something else. So, you know, it's really, it's tough. It's tough because, you know, if you're really, once you start loot, like deviating from that, those trails of different things, you can lose, you know, you can fall off the fucking bike and fall down the hill real quick. Like getting up there is hard. Falling off is easy. Like that's where it's like, dude, getting up there and that trail's getting thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner to get to the top. There's no top, by the way, there's no fucking top. And people like, you made it. I'm like, made what? Like, they, you know what the end is? The end is you're fucking dead. Yeah. So, like, you didn't make shit. Like, you're making shit, but you continue to make shit, and you continue to grow, and um, people, you know, people have been asking me, like, dude, why are you doing all this shit outside your house? Why don't you have somebody else do it? I'm like, well, why not do it? And they're like, well, you could just pay somebody. And I'm like, I know, but I don't know how to do it. And they're like, yeah, but you could pay somebody. I'm like... Well, I want to learn how to do something. Why not? Why wouldn't I want to learn how to do this? Well, because that's not what you do. I'm like, well, it is now. Yeah, right. Well, it can be. Why Why not learn how to do... Like, dude, I... For example, I've never done plumbing ever. Ever in my life. Never done it, right? And I'm like, man, I really want to hose. There's no spigot on the outside of my garage. I'm like, I want to fucking run a line from my my hose i'll do get one of those connectors and then i'll 
fucking drill through my fucking foundation, which I've never done. I'm like, this could be a little hairy, but I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. So I go on YouTube and I'm YouTubing. I'm like, oh, it's pretty easy. I'm like, all right. I go buy that $50 drill bit that's this big, get my drill, and I go, I'm right, right through. I'm like, sweet. First part's good. Next thing is the plumbing part. Plumbing is like, should be really easy. I am basically the worst plumber ever. <laughs> like I, I'm like, yes, I got it. I got the pipe going. I got all the nozzles. You know, I think I got the right adhesive. There's eight million of them. If you ever go to Home Depot, it's a nightmare. You get like three fourths of the five eighths, the half inch, and I'm like, well, I don't know what any of this is. I literally, Mike, I bought them all. I'm like, I'll just return them. I bought them all. I had. I'll send you a photo after this. I have like a hundred fucking adapters. <laughs> and I'm pulling them out because I'm getting frustrated throwing them. So I end up not even, <laughs> couldn't even return them all anyway. But I start plugging them in. I'm fucking lubing them up and fucking doing the whole thing, tightening them. I turn on the water. I'm like, yes, it works. 20 minutes later, I spigot's in the woods because it's uh -oh. shot out. Uh -oh, I got fucking man. water shooting out everywhere. And this happened like four times. Finally, I, I, I got it. But the point is, is like, I wanted to learn how to fucking do it. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you don't have to just be like one dimensional. Like, you can fucking paint and be really good also at playing basketball. And yeah. like, and that'll... All of that stuff, the problem-solving stuff, helps with other stuff. 100%. I think, anyway. Because yeah. then you're learning new techniques of how to do stuff. And, like, when you, for example, I don't know, maybe, maybe, like, when I'm lifting, for example, and after having done all that piping, because I learned how to lift and keep, you know, use my arms and stuff like that correctly, for the most part, probably not at your level, but it will help me when I'm doing some of this work. Yeah. Right. When I'm picking up rocks, I'm not just like bending over and picking up rocks. Cause I'm going to hurt my lower back. Like your back must be killing you. I'm not, no, my fucking legs hurt me. My <laughs> core hurts me. Cause I'm fucking picking up, like keeping my back straight and keeping my posture straight and basically doing a fucking deadlift. You know, I'm doing like little deadlifts, you know, I'm not fucking injuring myself, but the learning. That's, yeah. that's what it's about and like acquiring information and it fucking, it makes you feel awesome. You know, I don't know. That's me. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm, you know, with the whole last, the last five to six weeks with this quarantine, I've been doing a bunch of other projects and I've always been fairly handy. I, I, my brother is super handy. He can fix anything. My dad was handy. I was not as handy. I was always doing a lot of sports growing up, but now I'm teaching myself how to do these things because, well, first of all, you know, with, <clears throat> I have the time. Second of all, once you learn how to do it once, you got it. You got that skill and it's in, it's, it's cemented in and you're going to learn some new things. Because uh, you uh, fuck up 800 times along the way. <laughs> you know, you end up throwing some screwdrivers and chucking some shovels in the woods and um, it is what it is. But um, no, it's good that you're, you're doing a bunch of things and it's refreshing to hear because again, you could, you could just write a check and hire someone, but you choose not to. And that's, um, that's pretty cool because I think uh, a lot of people would look at you and say, you know, here's a guy made a bunch of money doing music and this and that he could do whatever he wants. But the fact that you're out there grinding away is, um, is th that's what I admire about you. And I actually, that's what I admire about a lot of people that, you know, going back to jujitsu, that's why I really love the people that are in our sport because yeah. the, everybody that is going to stick around 
you have to work hard and you have to be okay with getting the crap kicked out of you for quite some time and forever for yeah forever. really well eventually there's gonna be a point there's gonna be a point mike where you will beat everybody in the gym no question but then that point starts to go like this because you're oh. gonna get another you're gonna get super mike perry super mike <laughs> perry's gonna come in he's gonna be 15 and mike perry all of a sudden is gonna be 50 yeah. And then Mike Perry's going to be 60 and fucking super Mike Perry's going to be there and he's going to be 25 and he's going to push that right in. Oh, dude. You know? Sometimes I feel and like it's going to suck. And that strength is going to be there. You're going to have that dad strength. You just leveled up. You've got to free level up because you got dad strength, right? There's something. Wait, as soon as your baby was born, did you feel like you got powered up? It, it's a superpower, man. It's, uh, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a superpower, but I think it's also because you, you understand that you have to protect someone else and you have to take yeah. care of someone else. So this is, so this is what you get to post on your skill of strength thing. So you want to get strong, have a baby, become a dad, <laughs> dad string. You know, someone um, make that the wrong way and be like, I saw this on the internet. Um, yeah. Right. So that's fine. All right. So going back to music, um, when you first heard your song on the radio, um, what were you doing? What song was it? Where were you? Um, we were in the van, and it was The Great Escape. Um, and we were in the middle of some one of our one of our first tours. It was one of the, man, I think we were in, like, Arkansas or something. One of those states on those fucking drives that were, like, 15 hours. We were on, like, a, we were on a, a bus tour in a van, right? Because we were like, well why would we get a bus? It's, you know, 30 grand for the whole tour. Or we could just like huff it in the van for 19 tours until we crashed. And I was like, okay, you guys are making enough money. But like we were making enough money where we could have got a bus. And a lot of these bands were, they were getting the bus because they wanted to like live the life. And I was like, dude, I want, I want to go home and not have to fucking do landscape. Like <laughs> I want to go home and be like, okay, like we were just on the fucking road. Like, being in a bus and being in a van, you know, it's definitely a difference, but you're still on tour. And if you've ever traveled at all, like, traveling is, it's fucking brutal on the body, dude. Like, when I travel now, I'm, like, toast for yeah. days. Like, doing these tours and stuff like that are, are fucking brutal on the body. But, um, yeah, we were, we were in the van, huffing it, huffing it and puffing it in the van, and, uh, I just remember, like, I always, like, it's really weird with any of this stuff. Like, maybe maybe I've had, like, a sixth sense with, with some of it, but I heard that song. I remember hearing that song and, and, and talking to Martin and being like, dude, this is a fucking smash. And, like, I'm all in. And, uh, and it was, you know, and it just kind of, like, fucking took off from there. But, yeah, well, crazy feeling. It, it, that, the, like... So, sometimes it's like when I think about the band and the success of all of it, it just literally like, it literally feels like a dream. It like does not, it's never felt real ever. Even when like I, I watch videos of us playing at like Madison square garden. Like I found last time, last time I was home in Boston, I was like going through some stuff and I found an old camcorder video of well, it wasn't it was an iphone video but i had uploaded it onto my old computer and i'm like going through a hard drive 
and I find us at Madison Square Garden, right? I set up a phone or some fucking thing, and Taylor Swift walks out because we have the, the song with her. And I'm like, what the fuck? What is going on? I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm like, that's me? I'm like, I don't even know that guy. And this is like, you know, 10 years ago. But I'm like, this is so fucked up. It's just never real. It's just not. Because it's not real life. It's not. None of it is. Yeah, that's, it's funny you say that because I remember when, um, when you guys, you know, Boys Like Girls kind of came together and your first album came out. I remember, and I can't remember the name of the store, but there was a- You punched a hole. You were like, man, I should have stuck it out. <laughs> I didn't, I, well, that's a whole other conversation, but- oh. <laughs> No, but I, what was the name of that music store? There was a music store in Mansfield off of 140. White. And it was like, what was it? White's? White's no, music? it was like um, it was just like it wasn't like a Best Buy, but it was like a record, basically like a record store. Coconuts? Maybe it might have been coconuts or, or something. Or is it? Well, they had coconuts and they had coconuts at Stop and Shop, and and then they had strawberries. I think strawberries was it strawberries? It was, might have been one of those. But I remember like going in there, and that's when the CDs were this big because they'd have the CD and then like the long cardboard piece with it. And I remember looking at just the, the, you know, the cover of your first album, which was, you know, it had that multicolor kind of, I don't know what it, what, what was that a picture of, by the way? Uh, I, I don't know. It was, like, it was just a bunch it. of like multicolor paint, past, like pastel colors. But I remember looking at it going, holy shit, like these guys did it. And that was crazy because I never knew anybody that quote unquote made it. And, and like I had played music since I was like 13 years old too. And it was just like, I was like, holy cow. It was just like, it was surreal. It was just- I have an actually defining moment of, of a similar situation. This, this is when I knew I made it, Mike. I walked into that same plaza where you saw that and I saw it too. And then I looked over, a kid, he goes, hey, that's that faggot in that band. And I was like, really? I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, thanks, dude. Thanks. Uh, Thanks. Funny, Thanks, buddy. It's, it's crazy, man. It's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. To see. I mean, you know, I'm sure you could talk all, all day about the tour and, and everything you guys yeah. have done. But going back to you were talking about, um, you know, the Great Escape. And I remember when when we were playing. So when I was jamming with you guys, this was when we were in Southie at what's his? Uh, oh, what's yeah. With Mike what's Caputo. That Caputo. Yeah. Dude, I talked to I talked to him all the time. He's, he's still he's just, he's a funny guy, man. He's a funny fucking, you know, dude. He's still doing his, like, uh, he's got a thing called Music Ball, and I guess he's got some some girl groups and stuff. I think one of them was just on tour with uh, some rapper. What the hell's her name? Cardi B? He's, like, doing He's doing pretty good, man. He's a good dude. I, I like him. Um, yeah, we've kept in touch a little bit. But, yeah, that selfie spot. That selfie spot, and I remember playing there, and uh... – and hearing, you know, Martin's, uh, a few of the songs that Martin had written, and one was The Great Escape, the other one was Thunder, and yep. there was a few other ones that were a little poppy, and I wish I still had the CDs, because, you know, they, they, uh, they were some great songs, but I remember- I have, I have them all. I'm sure you do. It's, I it's will it, you. And I remember this. What's you remember that? this? There's one thing. There's some pictures, and I don't know if you're in, I, don't, I found some, but do you remember Lou Ball's? Yeah, dude, it's crazy. He's like killing it. Killing it? He's the biggest producer 
in the world. In the world. Maybe they're saying maybe in history. Dude, that is the fucking... I saw him in Boston. We met up. I was like, yo, Lou, let's meet up. It's been a while. I hung out with him in the back of some nightclub. He's like, yeah, I'm at this nightclub. I'm like, ah, fuck. I'm like, I haven't done one of these things in a while. I'm like, okay, I call my boy up. Who like runs all the nightclub and stuff. I'm like, yo, uh, Lou's in town. Can you like take care of me? He's like, yeah, yeah. So I go in. I'm like, Lou, where are you? He's like, oh, I'm in the back. He's, I'm like, the back where? He's like, oh, I'm in the back next to the DJ booth at like, of course, the craziest table. There's a million like model, like, well, Boston models, <laughs> whatever they are. <laughs> million of those fucking what's up kid fuck you fuck you gotta fucking smoke butts outside you got any coke like those types of girls like hanging around like all cracked out and i'm like lou where are you i can't find him because all the he's a small guy like me he's like you know a little jewish guy <laughs> i'm like lou where are you texting him i'm like do you have any earplugs he's like i have one i'm like you have one earplug you're the biggest music producer you can you can't get two. I'm like, I'm gonna go get your earplugs. <laughs> Finally, I find him, dude. Literally, he's in this fucking table, <laughs> and he's just like standing there alone, and nobody's talking to him. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're paying for all these people. He's like, yeah. I'm like, why? What are you doing? He's like, I don't know. I felt like coming in, and doing some of the clubs. <laughs> like, okay. But anyway, we talked. We talked for like two hours with the earplugs in, of course. Um, it was really nice, but yeah, he's uh, from the South these days. One of the biggest producers in the world. I think I think he they said he made like something like crazy, like fifty million dollars or something last year. Well, it's funny because I remember when we met him, he was doing a little uh, a little bit of production work in in Caputo's studio, but he was also doing a little bit of rapping. And I remember being like, you know, you you look, yeah. at, he's a bit unassuming, like he's not. You wouldn't look at him and be like, here's a producer, here's a rapper. Like, he looks like just a normal dude. And then I listened to him, like, listened to him rap, and this guy was, like, incredibly talented. And I remember, you know, when we were, you know, practicing in, uh, in Southie, and, and he was just, I was like, man, this kid's, he's a gamer. And another kid that just worked really hard. And, and you know, at first, he wasn't doing what he, he's doing now. He's not, like, you know, working with, he wasn't working with Charlie Puth or it's all these other, other big names. But it's just cool, man, because I actually saw – I think crazy. You, you did something on Facebook and I followed him on Instagram and I'm like, holy hell. I'm like, this dude's killing it. I'm like, good for him. That's, that's bananas, dude. So, um, all right, moving on. Can you hear me? Or is it cutting out? Yeah. Fuck. It's enough, man. Yeah. You're breaking up a little bit. I don't know what's going on here. All right. Hold on one second. All right. Or is that, can you hear me now? Yeah, I uh, hear you. Good old internet. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's all good. All right, sorry about that. But um, yeah, it's just crazy. It's, uh, it, it's, it's good to see that he's made it. And uh, obviously the guy's a talented guy. So, um, so you know, kind of looking back at your career, obviously you're still in your, the middle of your career and, and you're still doing a lot. Of yeah. um, where, where do you think you, you maybe made some mistakes or could have done things a little bit better? Man. You know, I have a tattoo on my chest that says no regrets now. Kidding. Um, <laughs> where I, man, I've, I've struggled with that one because like, 
if I start going back and saying, Hey, I made this, this mistake and that mistake, I'll, I'll eat myself alive. And I've done that. And I've done that before. Um, like, Hey, I wish I had, I wish I had read more, I guess, and understood the business more, um, at the time. But honestly though, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with how things went now looking back. Like, I think I played the right cards and I think I was smart about the choices I made um, because, because of where I am now. Like, I couldn't be in a better, happier, healthier spot. I, my, my main concern was that I wanted to be in a successful band with guys that I loved and see the world and play drums. Ultimately, first to play drums. That's what I wanted. And no matter how I had to do that, whether it was, you know, you know, bite, bite my tongue, which, cause I have a big fucking mouth and I had to bite my tongue a lot of, a lot of times. And I'm glad I did. Um, it made me really, it's like jujitsu does. It made it made me check my fucking enormous ego. Like I have an enormous one and I know it and that's fine. So I have to, I have to check it. I have to dig holes. I have to do like do that work. I have to do this work. Otherwise this goes shit out the window. So there was points where I would be angry. Um, I guess just being probably most of all being better to my body. Cause I don't think I was as good to my body as I am now. Like I didn't really have that outlet of jujitsu uh, I, I did start lifting um, in like 2012. That's when I started kind of doing a little bit of lifting. We're like, okay, we're going to do another record. Let's all get jacked and ripped and try to be on Men's Health Magazine, which never <laughs> happened. But um, I was, you know, really dedicated. Prior to that, I was just like, just naturally sort of athletic. But then I, you know, the uh, drugs and alcohol, you know, second record where everyone was really ripping them down and just like really partying and then you know people started getting sober and stuff like that and and that that went away but after that like coming off of that sort of those crazy nights and you know a, just completely annihilating your body like just beating the shit out of yourself and then seeing photos of myself you know at like my 10-year reunion just looking bloated and fat and like just not looking healthy yeah. um I think it would be my diet on the road, being more conscious of like my, my arms and my shoulders. Cause I just didn't care, you know? Um, and now I pay for it. I do, I do. I pay for it because my hands and stuff, they hurt. I do our arthritis and stuff and that could have been prevented. I just thought, you know, like, Oh, it doesn't hurt, but now it hurts. Like now I have to be active in, in you know some some stretching and uh how i move my body otherwise i get hurt i have to be very careful um so i wish those would be my my main sort of regrets and they are all pretty much health related i can't think of anything where i'm like man i wish i had yeah i wish i had written fucking you know more maybe written more songs then you mm -hmm. know but i didn't and that's okay, but yeah. Well, I mean, again, you know, it's a, it's a. 
I think mistakes is, is a strong word. I think more of lessons, you know, where you can look back and say, what could I have done a little bit better? Those aren't necessarily mistakes. I think that was a bad, bad way to phrase the question. But, you know, it's, it's one thing that, here's one thing that people don't understand, and I don't understand it to the degree that you do, but playing music for a few hours at a time with energy is one of the most exhausting things you can do. I would equate it's it to weird. jujitsu. It's, it's weird. It's weird. It's hard as hell. And people don't understand that. They don't. I, uh, I have a good story about that one, actually. A um, couple years ago, it's like two years ago, I went to Florida. And my buddy does like one of those emo nights where he has an emo band. They're super successful. They sell House of Blues like every month. It's awesome, right? So uh, him, and, him and a bunch of his attorney friends, they, they dress up and like do the whole thing, right? It's called Take This to Your Grave. They sound unbelievable they it's fucking great so he's like yeah come stay with us chill by the beach and like you know we're gonna play this show do you want to come up on stage and play i'm like yeah of course i'll fucking come and play the great escape with you guys and they're like okay cool so i'm like oh this will just be like whatever mind you i haven't been on the road or played a show in fucking two years maybe longer three years at the point and i'm not like actively playing drums every day like i'll play on my pad but like playing a fucking energetic show or whatever, mind you, I'm just playing three and a half minutes. I get up there, Mike, and I play. And halfway through, I, I literally gassed out. Gassed. Done. Because I'm a very flamboyant sort of like fucking play really hard. Like, yeah, oh, kind of Dave Grohl type of drummer. And uh, I got off stage and I shit you not, I wrung out my shirt one song and I felt like I was going to throw up and pass out. It was unfucking believable I'm like, how did I do this when we would do 20 fucking songs and play for two hours? Or I remember you guys were doing the, when we were doing the bars, obviously I was like 16 years old. Nothing like, what's up? Fucking girls, like 40 year old women being like, playing my tits, you know, like, I'm like, 15 <laughs> like what what are you doing tonight my dad's like oh jesus christ johnny um yeah but that energy is is crazy it's weird it's like the first time you do yoga or the first time you you know you do kettlebells for the same time or dig a hole it's like you're using there's so many different like muscle groups i'm sure you fucking know better than i but that you just don't activate when you're doing certain things. Yeah. Like until you're actually doing that physical thing or you're doing whatever base movement, whatever ba base dance that Mike Perry does. <laughs> I was Victor now. Wooten I, I, uh, impersonator. Um, but yeah, like you're just certain movements that you're not used to or your body's just not like accustomed to. And it is exhausting. Fuck. Well, it's, it's definitely specificity. You know, it's like you get better at the things that you do. And, you know, in, in the jujitsu world, I've met so many people that, you know, you put them in a gym doing strength and conditioning workouts and they're studs, but you put them in a, in a, in a situation where they're grappling and they're dead in two minutes. Right. So it's, oh, it's the best. It, it That's my favorite. You get the big strong guy, but they fall over like a heavy box. Yeah. It's so weird. Cause they're so tight. And they're like, Ehh. yeah, it's, it's in part of it is just, I mean, obviously it's, um, you know, you've never done it before, but a lot of it has to do with efficiency and just understanding how to utilize and conserve energy. Because when you're playing for, you know, two hours and you're playing a show, 
Like you, you there's a, a certain cadence and a certain rhythm that you have to maintain. And you know, if you come out of the gate too quickly, it's not going to end well, but you learn. I just thought I'd be able to get, cause I never had a problem. Yeah. But I tell you three years of not doing it every day. Wow. I was like, oh, I'll fucking get up there. It'll be fucking easy. Whatever. I play at my house sometimes. Whatever. No, it's very, very not, different. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of going back to the music thing, um, music's different. Like growing up, being in a band was cool. I, you know, it was like if you were in a band, like you were one of the cool ones, right? But these yeah. days, like I don't see bands. I don't see kids in bands as much. In, in music. Dude, I don't see kids outside. Well, I was thinking about that today. I'm like, I'm outside. Dude, I haven't seen any children outside. Like, you'd think there would be, like, dude, you, you're not at school. Like, go, like, what about your fucking, you can't talk to your neighbor? You know? There's, like, tons of kids. Where, where are they? What is everybody doing? They're quarantined inside. They got masks They're on. Quarant yeah, okay. They're fucking on TikTok doing dances. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're I've been on my phone so less. <clears throat> but less than ever. I know, dude. I don't even. I actually, I, I don't even do any of that stuff. I mean, I, I, I uh, I'm not a huge social media person. I actually love doing this because I just like to talk to people. Um, yeah. But so going back to you know music, where where do you feel like looking? You know, being in the industry and looking at other musicians, what where do you think people go wrong and, and make mistakes in the music industry? Like, what do you think they're doing wrong, or maybe not approaching things differently, or maybe even from a mindset? Like, what um, do you think? Makes the difference between. I see it all the time. People are chasing. They're chasing. They're chasing what's hot right now. It happens all the time. Um, and then they just don't do it. Like I see so many writers and, and producers. They're just trying to like, okay, well, this is what like, you know, Billie Eilish is doing. Or this is what fucking, you know, Thomas Rhett's do, Or like whoever, whoever's like the hot one people just chase and when labels send out or publishers send out hey we want it to sound like pearl jam meets or whoever the hot band i don't even fucking know because i don't say anything like i listen to podcasts all day <laughs> um but people trying to chase somebody else's sound and rather than just doing doing what they love and i think there's being authentic is something that i don't see a lot of and i and I, I believe in being authentic and um, now because that's all you got, you know, it's like, it's like cool. And you might, you might hit the nail on the head. You might fucking just happen to write the song. That's like the perfect fucking storm at the right time. And I don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. But for me, I think at this point in my life, I see people just trying to do something because they think it's cool right now, rather than just doing what like, what's in their heart I, as cliche as cliche as that is just being authentic. But I think you got to be authentic in everything you do. And I think that's the problem with, with a lot of the shit, you know, with anything, you know, it's yeah. like everybody's trying to be somebody else. Just how about just be fucking you, you know, like yeah. that's not an identity. That's not real. Like I see it. I see it in country songs. Like, Oh man, like so many, I know so many people here that write country, and I'm like, dude, you've, you've never fucking done that. And that's fine. It, I get it. You're a songwriter. It's like talking about driving around their old Chevy with their fucking, fucking horse in the back and like fucking shoveling. And I'm like, you've never shoveled a day in your life. You're, you're a fucking liar. Like, you're, uh, that's you're, fine. <laughs> I get it. 
you're you're more country than most of the country people are, and you were born. Dude, I am more. I'll tell you what. I'm more country than any of my friends that are big country writers, and I'll say that. And fuck all of you if you hear this. I love them. Um, I love them all. But like, I mean, it means nothing. I'm I'm the dummy. Is I should be doing the. I should be writing country songs. It's just not for me right now at this point in my life. Um, I'm trying to be authentic. I'm yeah, gonna write no. my country album after I finish my moat. Yeah, your moat, so no one can go in the drawbridge. Um, yeah, yeah. After I put the alligators in and throw all the country writers in there. So, and this kind of <clears throat> this kind of segues into kind of making it. Do you think that if someone wants to make it, let's say, let's call making it as a musician, let's just say they can make a living, they can live a, a decent life. Yeah. Making music. What advice would you give someone? Like, what would you say? this is the way to do it, or this is the way not to do it. What would you say? I would just say, don't even fucking bother because it's really impossible to do when I got really lucky. <laughs> you better fucking... <laughs> now, um, to be honest, I would say there's, there's so many fucking variables, but being really good with people helps, you know, being socially active there. Um, you have to be good at the internet right now. I mean, you had to be good at the internet when when I was coming up, like we were fucking all over MySpace. Um, and ultimately you gotta, you, I mean, you gotta work hard. It's not, it's not like you could just, I mean, some people do, some people just like fart out hit songs, but I don't really, you gotta work hard. It's like anything, you know, it's like if you want fucking Hulk Hogan biceps, you gotta fucking lift yeah. or you can pump, you know, or you can take steroids and, do that whole thing but like regardless you have to lift you can't just take steroids yeah. um so yeah i would say if, if you want to make it you got to love it you know you can't just like i was saying earlier like if i'm if i'm gonna do something you gotta i gotta have passion yeah you know if you lack passion and authenticity and 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 stuff like that then you know you're just chasing dollar signs like Dude, you're never going to make any money. You might. It's like, it's literally like hitting the lottery though. Like, I just don't know anybody, anybody that's been successful that doesn't get up and do what they love and do it till the end of the day until they're exhausted. Like, I just don't. I just don't know anybody that's just like, well, okay, yeah, I think I'm going to do this. Uh, I think I'm going to start playing piano and be fucking incredible. No, it's just not, it just takes a lot of work, a lot of time. Um, accepting failure, learning how to do that is, uh, is a tough one. You know, knowing that like, maybe, maybe your shit isn't that good. Knowing when to quit, yeah. which really sucks. Cause a lot of people do it. Like you had to put it down. It was over. And that's yeah. a very, very, like, that's, you know, and that's real and that's okay. It's not like you got to put the base down forever, but you had to find something else because it wasn't, it wasn't where your life was going. Yeah. And it's not because you're a bad, you're one of the best bass players I've ever played with. I'll say that forever. Ever. Thank you. Like, you're the, the Victor Wooten of fucking Rhode Island. <laughs> Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Where fuck, where the fuck you live. Uh, I'm in the middle of nowhere, but um, I, well, thank I, you for that. Okay, you're the Victor Wooten of fucking the middle of nowhere. Um, but, but that wasn't your fault. It wasn't the fact that you didn't love or have passion for the bass, but it just, you know, there's, there's, there can be a point, there's a crossroads that probably happened 
I would imagine, where it was like, okay, I could probably keep playing bass and probably end up on tour with John Mayer in 15 years. Maybe. Maybe. But it hasn't happened yet, and I'm getting a little bit older, and I'm starting to find some other shit that I like, that I'm good at, and that might be better for me. Yeah. And so you made a choice. Yep, you do. And you it's, did. It's an active choice, 100%. Yeah, an active choice, and it it taught you some humility and now look at where you're doing and your built your, your business and the fighters that you've built that I'm huge fans of that. I like, I stock online and stuff like that. I'm such a nerd <laughs> MMA nerd. It's terrible, but like, you know, yeah, just having humility and, and um, being honest with yourself. Cause I think the other thing that where people go wrong and maybe it's just me is that like, they think their shit doesn't stink. And it's like, everybody thinks that their band is going to make it. Everybody thinks that they're going to be the number one jujitsu guy. Everybody thinks they're going to go to the fucking Super Bowl when they're in peewee football. But like learning when to let go of stuff and like also not taking the advice of everybody else all the time. Because like, I'll, and my example would be this. I remember my dad, I was like, dad, I really want to play drums. And he's like, yeah, well, you're probably going to be a plumber. You're always in trouble. You're always getting arrested or being an asshole. You should probably go, you know, get your plumber's license. I'm like, dad, I just really want to play drums. Yeah, well, that's probably not going to happen. A lot of people do that because I feel like they haven't done anything or like they wish they did or they're projecting. So like, don't get discouraged because most like the, you know, the bigger your fucking dreams are, the bigger people are going to come down on you. Like, that's just what it is. I don't know how many, I mean, it's probably happened to you a million times. Like, Oh, you're going to be a fucking bass player. I'll tell you what, Mike Perry's a fucking badass bass player. Like, and I played, I mean, I played with some of the fucking best in the world. And I'm telling you, Mike, like, who's that guy? Uh, Jeff Berlin. Yep. I would not know the difference. And he's fucking like a god. But no, like that guy's that guy's but, a different level. But. He he is, but but is he, you know, like what I guess what I'm saying is like you got to a point and there was a crossroads. Just just under kind of like putting yourself like taking a step back. You gotta take a step back. And like, you know, uh that dream can ultimately just be a dream at some point. You got to realize where you are. Well, I think there's, there's two things I want to cover here. So I think self-awareness and, and I tell this to a lot of younger coaches that ask me about, Hey, you know, I want to do my own gym or, you know, I want to speak or I want to present and I want to do this and that. And I always tell them, I said, like, first of all, you have to be brutally self-aware of where you're at. Like, yeah, be able to step back and, and be like, like, am I good at this? Am I good at this? And you have to basically analyze what you're good at and what you suck at. And that's okay. It's okay to suck at a bunch of things. Right. But you have to be aware of the reality of where you're at. But also you have to have people around you that are not going to feed you bullshit. Because um, I've had a few instances in my life where I thought I was like, I'm, I'm the shit. Like I'm a great coach. And then I got completely humbled and humiliated by someone. And they didn't do it on purpose. They were just brutally honest. They were like, no, that, you're not very good at that. And you need to get your head out of your ass. Like, and <laughs> but you know what though? And that person is a mentor to me and one of my closest friends, right? So yeah. it's, it's pretty awesome. I'm glad I helped you with that. What's that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I but, knew I and, would be of some help in your life. 
Well, and then the other thing I, that I, I think people misinterpret or really don't understand is they're like, oh, that person's just gifted. That person is just talented. And I think if you look at it, I think it's 20% talent and maybe 80% hard work paired up with that talent because I mean, I've listened to a bunch of, you know, interviews with just a bunch of different people. And yeah, you could tell that they had something there, but they fostered it. They busted their ass and they just kept on grinding. So if you take, you know, a little bit of talent with a bunch of hard work, all of a sudden good things will happen. But people look at it and say, oh, you're just gifted, but they don't see the behind the scenes stuff of people. Yeah. I mean, it's like Mike Tyson was gifted. Yeah. He was super gifted but he fucking worked his ass off, dude. Exactly. He had that fucking extra, extra fucking gear. Like, and he was built for it. And I mean, but he, you know, he also, he worked for it. It wasn't like Mike Tyson just like woke up one day and you fucking, you know, knock your head off. Like he probably could, he probably did in the streets. He probably threw a little little bit harder, but once they harnessed it and he figured it out, you know, he worked hard at, you know, but you saw when he didn't work hard at it and what happened? Yeah. He got fucking knocked yeah. out. I, it's funny. I see, you know what I see? I've worked with, I don't know how many pro fighters, 60, 70 professional fighters. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with some really, really high level fighters, but I have worked with some freak athletes, like freakish athletes that just could, you look at them, you're like, this person's going to go places. They're going to be the next UFC champion and yeah. nothing. Because they didn't work hard, they 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 use their were, talents, they use their gifts for a while, but then you start to meet other people that have, let's just say, a similar a similar amount of gifts, but they also bust their ass, and then those yeah. are the people that are gonna that are gonna win. Yeah, I I've seen that a million times too. And my you know my brother uh, Dave has had a couple Olympians and stuff like that, and we've seen kids go through in and out of the gyms for you know, well over 20 years, the kids that you'd be like, what the fuck? This kid's going to be a freak. This is what, this is what a coach does. And you're a great coach. Um, I think ha- being able to get in there into your, into your fucking, into that guy's head that has those gifts is like, is the thing. That's what's going to like, and it's tough because not everybody's going to hear it, you know? Like, you got two guys. You got one guy that's fucking, like, Superman, all you know, right when he walks in. And then you got the guy that's, like, your average Joe. But eventually this starts to happen. And this guy's like, what the fuck? Like, I was killing this dude. You see any jujitsu? Like, that's the perfect example, mm-hmm. right? You get the, you know, 110-pound girl. Like, everybody knows that story. Like, that's what happened to me. Like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm physically way stronger and better than this. And I got choked out 18 times, you know, and I'm way more gifted than she is. And then everything gets put in perspective. But I I think it's, it's finding the, the, you know, being mentally, like we've been saying, being mentally aware and then going for it and not relying on that stuff. You got to fucking work hard. You got to, you know? Yeah. It's, um, and it's hard because, um, you know, sometimes you can bust your ass and nothing will happen for quite some time. And that can, that can be hard because you're like, man, like, you know, uh, it's just, it's not working for me. And then a lot of people I think will quit prematurely, but you know, I look at the people that again, that are successful that have, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet people that have, you know, grown 
and uh, multi-million dollar companies and, and people that have done uh, crazy things. And um, it takes time and it doesn't happen overnight. And, um, but these people all have the same thing in common. They are just, they just don't stop. Like literally it's, it's like, well, you can't theory. be afraid to fail because yeah. you're gonna fail. Yeah. You're gonna fail. Like I was building that fucking shit outside. Right. I've never built anything. Like I've built like, you know, little stupid things here and there, but I'm talking like a fucking legit shit, like pretty legit. It's like a little tiny home almost. Right. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, okay, dude, I fucked up so many pieces of wood. Thank God it was all scrap wood that I've like picked up on Craigslist. I'm like, ah, cause I know I'm going to fuck up because I always fuck up. I fuck up more than anybody I've ever met in my life. Like I fucked up and I'm okay with it. At this point, I'm just like, I know I'm going to fuck up. I don't think I've ever done anything right. Actually, I've done one thing right ever. Perfect. I played one song on our record, on our first record, where I played it the first time and it was a one taker. And that's first the only time concert. it was uh, top of the world. That, actually, that was another one that Martin wrote early on that yeah. I was listening to going, wow, that's... And then we made it really fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like failure, man. Being, it's like, it's like being a young kid and like seeing the girl that you're like, man, I really want to ask her out. You've been sitting next to her and you just don't do it. Dude, just fucking do it. Who gives a fuck, you know? Because yeah. you're going to fail. But yeah. it's like almost like I've failed so many times that I like think it's funny now. Because I'm like, all right, you fucking douchebag. Like, I caught myself like, you mother... You know, I'm like, you motherfucker! Throwing shit, like, you know? And then I'm, like, laughing at myself. I'm like, what? I'm laughing. I'm yelling at a hose. Yeah. It, like, I'm yelling at a fucking hose. Like, what am I doing? I'm like, yeah, I was yelling at rocks yesterday, and I, I checked myself. I'm like, dude, what do you... I, I start laughing. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's okay. It's okay to fail and you should fail. And if you don't, well, fuck you. <laughs> it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. And this goes back to jujitsu. So, you know, I've always been a fairly athletic guy, which has, you know, taken me decently far in jujitsu. And, and yeah, how is that? I got a question for you. So before you go on, I because I, I need to know this. Um, how was it going from your like, because you're an incredible soccer player, as I know. I was not so great at soccer. But I know you're a very, very good athlete, right? And, and you went into jujitsu a really good athlete. What, what was that like? Well, you know, I've always been able to be the strong guy and the conditioned guy, right? Like that was easy for me because that was just kind of any sport that I played. I could usually outwork people, not because I was more talented, but it was because I, I – I could be, I was always a little bit stronger and a little bit faster, but I also knew how to develop those things early on. Like I just go run sprints for fun because I'm an idiot and that's what I did. Right. But so it was crazy because when I, when I got into jujitsu, you know, as a white belt, of course, everyone's like, dude, you're freaking wicked strong. Like that's all I heard. And, <laughs> and it was cool, but I would still like, I would be able to do some stuff, but eventually I just get tired. Yeah, I had no technique. So, but I kept on trying to be like, I'm just going to work harder. And you and I both know that doesn't work in jujitsu. You can't, you cannot no. work harder and be more successful. So, um, and it was hard for me because I had always been 
if I did a sport, I was decent. And when I first started jujitsu, I sucked so bad. You must have been that. Oh, dude, you as a white belt must have been the worst role. Uh, total, of I, would, I would, I would, I after rolling with you once, of you being a white belt, I'd be like, nope. Yeah, I was a bit of a spaz, and I would, uh, you know, it wasn't. It, I was definitely. I would have fucking that. hated. I would have fucking hated you. Um, <laughs> You're yeah. the, definitely the guy that, like, as soon as as soon as I got the knee or the you know, the elbow, the accidental elbow, the second time, <laughs> you're going to bed. Yeah. Well, so I had to, and, and I'm a sore loser. Like, I hate losing. I hate losing with a passion. Like, literally, like, my wife and I, when we first started dating, like, we played Mario Kart, and if I lose, I'd be like, I'd flip out. Like, I would, I hate <laughs> losing that bad, right? And, uh, and, and you know, it's... It, it taught you how to lose, though. It did, but dude, the worst part was is I'd go and I'd do jujitsu, and even now, I hate losing. Like, I go in there expecting to win every time, and I know I'm not going to, but there's been times where I'd rolled my head coach, Raphael, and he would just do stuff, and at first, I'd get heated. I'd be like, come on, and I'd be like, and I'd try harder, and I'd get submitted again, and I'd try harder and get submitted again, and then now, I just laugh because I'm like, the dude is a savage black belt. He's a beast. And like, he should murder me every single time. Like, but it's, it's just funny because I'm learning to like, I just laugh. Like he'll like loop choke me and I'll be like, okay, it's not going to happen again. Loop choke. I'm like, son of a bitch. It's That's the worst happen. when you know it's coming. Loop choke again. I'm like, oh, he's loop choked me three times. I, ugh. so it, that, that's the stuff that drove me nuts. But I, um, I learned, I'm learning now as a purple belt, I'm learning now how to use both. Um, if I want to, if I want to tire someone out, I can do that, but I do it with a, a combination of strength conditioning and actually some halfway decent technique now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've learned to sort of put it all together and I, I actually, to be honest with you, I don't even think I really understood jujitsu, the basics until I was like a four, a three or four strike blue belt. Um, oh, yeah. I don't I, feel like a lot of people do, especially with like all the information that, that that's out there. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and even as a purple belt for, gosh, I got my purple belt last summer. Um, was it last summer? I can't remember. Yeah. So, um, and again, it's just, um, some days I'm like, cool, I'm getting this other days. I'm like, I'm a complete idiot and I have no idea what I'm doing. And I, you know, it, anyway, so yeah, but it, it's, um, it, the transition was hard. And, and I think someone that had success early on in sports and then tried jujitsu. Yeah. It's so humbling, dude. It's, I equate to like, I grew up playing like, we'll call it the American sports, right? Like baseball, basketball, soccer, football. And I remember like trying skateboarding and being like, this is the hardest thing in the world. It felt so foreign to me because it was so different. And skateboarding is not a strength and a power thing. It's a finesse and a technical thing. It's about balance. And same thing with jujitsu. When I started jujitsu, it's like I couldn't work harder at jujitsu. I couldn't physically try harder. So I, I, it doesn't work. You just, you just get more tired. Yeah, it's a funny, it's a funky one because it's like, it's a, it's a sport that like, like, so like football, baseball, basketball, right? There's only so many really like moves, right? And it doesn't, it like evolves, but the game has pretty much stayed the same, Yeah, you know, like, but jujitsu and skateboarding they keep evolving 
But jujitsu's really evolving, and it's fucking crazy. And and they have, you know, it's like the Super Bowl. You got the fucking worlds. You got all those crazy, you know, competitions and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's a really funny one. And like your your training is just so crazy because it's like you got you got this move that goes into this other one and then you're also like trying to like be ahead of people and then you're you're sparring and some days you're sparring just to fucking get one place and do this other. it's just so bizarre and it, it makes your your mind just like explode with ideas and and possibilities but you have to be okay with losing because yeah. it's the only way it literally is the only way you get better because the more you lose, the more you'll win later. I think in my, in my, you know, I remember the first time I got like fucking like heel hooked and I was like, what was that? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I need to figure this out. Yeah. And I did. And I got really fucking good at him. And, uh, and it was because I got heel hooked a million times. Yeah. You know, you gotta, yeah. And even a lot of people will even say in the jits world, you have to get, you know, even before you learn how to, to defend something, you have to have gotten submitted by that same thing over and over again. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it's not, uh, man, jujitsu is a, yeah, that's, I mean, we could, we could have a whole nother conversation about that. But, I'm sure we will. Yeah. And, yeah. It's I'm always sure fun. But um, kind of going back to the music thing, I want to kind of close things up a little bit. Um, yep. What, what, what would, if you could pick three sort of non-negotiable pieces of advice for young singers and musicians, what would those three things be like? The big three. The big three, man. You got to love what you do. You got to work hard. And I mean, read. You got to read like, or listen to fucking podcasts about people that have done it and like take that advice and like run with it. And you got to, yeah. I mean, you got to run with it. I would say those are probably the, you know, you, you got to fucking want it. You got to go after it. And you got to like, you got to be actively learning, actively yeah. learning about it because there's so many goddamn people that are trying to do the exact same thing that are better than you at it. They're, they're more talented. So all you got is what you were given. And then now, now you got to go, you got to figure out a way, like you got to figure out a fucking way to like, I don't have, you know, like, like Rocky did in like Rocky four against Ivan Drive. He didn't have the fucking machines and all that other shit, but he had some fucking logs and he had the snow, you know, like he figured it out and beat him. Like, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's Rocky four. Just go watch that movie. Actually, we only need one thing and it's Rocky four. Okay. Anyway. So to sum up the podcast, just watch Rocky four and do that. That's to sum it up. All you need is one thing. Watch Rocky Four and watch it every day. There's new lessons all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I don't think I could end it any any better. So that's hey, all listen, you need to know. Hey, I appreciate uh, appreciate your time. It's good to catch up with you, man. And uh, we're gonna hopefully do this again. But I appreciate everything. And um, yeah, and anytime. It's always a pleasure. All right, brother. Well, hey, thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Hey everyone, it's your host Mike. I just wanted to take a few moments to say thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate your support. If you did enjoy the podcast, I'm going to ask you for a couple favors. One, please share the podcast with your family, friends, and loved ones. 
Two, please give us a positive review in the App Store. Thanks so much, be safe, and God bless.